Hello, fellow saints, and welcome to Come Follow Me with Brother T. Uh, we're going to be going over chapters 1 through 3 of the book of Mosiah today. And I thought it would be fun to start off with a pop quiz. So get your, uh, your pen and pencil ready. Uh, we're going to have a true or false pop quiz. So here's question number one. King Benjamin fought with the sword of Laban against the Lamanites. So again, that's true or false. King Benjamin fought with the sword of Laban against the Lamanites. Question number two. Throughout King Benjamin's reign, all the people loved him and accepted his counsel. True or false? Throughout King Benjamin's reign, all the people loved him and accepted his counsel. Question number three. King Benjamin single-handedly established righteousness among the Nephites. True or false? King Benjamin single-handedly established righteousness among the Nephites. Question number four. King Benjamin taught his sons the language of his fathers so they could search the scriptures and know the mysteries of God. Again, true or false? King Benjamin taught his sons the language of his fathers so they could search the scriptures and know the mysteries of God. And question number five, King Benjamin called the people together to hear him speak for political and spiritual reasons. True or false? King Benjamin called the people together to hear him speak for political and spiritual reasons. Okay, so now that you have your answers written down, uh, let's go over the, the answers. So let's go back to, to question one. King Benjamin fought with the sword of Laban against the Lamanites. And the answer is true. According to Words of Mormon 1.13, about halfway down, it says, But behold, King Benjamin gathered together his armies, and he did stand against them. And he did fight with the strength of his own arm with the sword of Laban. It also mentions in Omni 1.24 that uh, King Benjamin drove the Lamanites out of the land. So that there again, we're, we're looking at true uh, for number one. Number two, throughout King Benjamin's reign, all the people loved him and accepted his counsel. And the answer there is false. According to Words of Mormon 1.16, it says, And after there had been false prophets and false preachers and teachers among the people, and all these having been punished according to their crimes, and after there having been much contention and many dissensions away unto the Lamanites, behold, it came to pass that King Benjamin, with the assistance of the holy prophets, who are among his people, and it keeps going on from there. So it talks about how there is definitely a lot of dissension. Uh, there was It was not all roses in the beginning of King Benjamin's uh, reign. And Mosiah 1.1 says, And now there was no more contention in all the land, implying that there was contention. Okay, So there, there you have it. The answer to uh, question number two is false. Question number three, King Benjamin single-handedly established righteousness among the Nephites. And anytime I think if you see it in the true-false quiz uh, always or completely single-handedly you can pretty much guarantee that's false and that is the answer here it is false uh, words of mormon 1 17 through 18 talks about how he had a lot of help uh, he says here um, that there were many holy men and it says also in verse 18 wherefore with the help of these king benjamin by laboring with all the might of his body and the faculty of his whole soul and also the prophets did once more establish peace in the land. So there you have it. Uh, the answer was false. Uh, King Benjamin didn't single-handedly establish righteousness. He had help. Question four, King Benjamin taught his sons the language of his fathers so they could search the scriptures and know the mysteries of God. And of course, this is true. And we see that in Mosiah uh, chapter one, verses two through four. And he talks about how he has his three sons, Mosiah, Helaman, and Helaram. And he teaches them in 
the language of all his fathers, that thereby they might become men of understanding and that they might know concerning the prophecies which has been spoken by the mouths of, the, of their fathers, which were delivered them by the hand of the Lord. And of course, we know that the scriptures that they had on the brass plates and then also the plates of Nephi that were being kept on the golden plates and there were the two records which we talked about in previous podcasts. Those records were kept in Reformed Egyptian, right? So they had to learn Reformed Egyptian. Not everyone knew it. And of course, the, the people of Zarahemla didn't even know their, their father's language, which was a, a form of, of Hebrew. So they were taught in the, in the Hebrew, their form of Hebrew, and then also in their Reformed Egyptian. And, and they did so that they would know the commandments and also the mysteries of God. And so that they could keep the record and preserve that language going on down. So that the answer to uh, question number four is true. And then there's question number five. King Benjamin called the people together to hear him speak for political and spiritual reasons. And that's always tricky when they throw in those two things and you're like, oh, is one of them false? But the answer is true. Mosiah chapter one, verses 10 through 11 It says, Therefore he had Mosiah brought before him, and these are the words which he spake unto him, saying, My son, I would that you should make a proclamation throughout all this land among all this people, or the people of Zarahemla, and the people of Mosiah, who dwell in the land, that thereby they may be gathered together, for on the morrow I shall proclaim unto this my people out of mine own mouth, that thou art a king and a ruler over this people, whom the Lord our God hath given us. And of course he talks a lot in in chapter 2, politically and spiritually. We know the spiritual. Um, We're going to get to that for sure. But he does talk about being a servant leader, and we'll get to that as well, and what it means to be a leader and to be a political leader. And I think it's a great lesson for anyone who's running for office, uh, and we'd hope to have such leaders in our land today. So there we go. That's a good little pop quiz. Hopefully you did well on that. Um, Let's move on from there. So in chapter one, we know that Benjamin asked his son Mosiah to make a proclamation throughout all the land and gather all the people so that he could speak to him one last time. And, and tell me if this doesn't sound exactly like general conference, right? He, we, if we look at it uh, in, in chapter 2, starting off in chapter 2, let's read verse 6. Uh, he says, And they pitched their tents round about the temple, every man having his tent with the door thereof towards the temple, that thereby they might remain in their tents and hear the word which King Benjamin should speak unto them. Right? And, and if you substitute tent for, for homes, it works out nicely. Not that we're picking up our homes and taking them to the temple, but if we tune in to where they're broadcasting and where they're broadcasting from, of course, from Temple Square or at least right by there at the, the conference center. But how else is it like going or, or being at conference here? In verse 1, right, we're gathered, like I said, to the temple to hear the words of, of prophets or of their leaders. Okay, In verse 8, it talks about how the, the word is written, written down for those who couldn't listen or couldn't hear what, what was what was being spoken. And and then it's it's shared and disseminated, right? Doesn't that happen with conference now today? And then uh, he, this is what's very interesting to me. Uh, he, there's a promise in verse 9, a great promise that, that Benjamin gives. It says, And these are the words which he spake and caused to be written, saying, My brethren, all ye that have assembled yourselves together, you that can hear my words, which I shall speak unto you this day, for I have not commanded you to come up hither to trifle with the words which I shall speak, but that you should hearken unto me, and open your ears that ye may hear, and your hearts that ye may understand, and your minds that the mysteries of God may be unfolded to your view. 
And if that doesn't sound like uh, a promise that President Nelson would make, I don't know what is. Basically, come, don't trifle with the word. Listen to me. Hearken to your words. Open up your heart that you and your minds that you might understand the mysteries of God. And I think President, actually President Nelson did quote something very similar to that uh, last last fall when he told us to come prepare uh, for a very spiritual feast at this last conference. So speaking of preparedness, uh, King Benjamin gives his these families things to do to prepare, right? And he, he talks about preparing to receive the word of God. And in, in verse 1, right, the first thing he says is that he wants all the people to gather themselves together throughout all the land, okay? And they go up to the temple. And he says something similar in verse 5, right? And he says, it came to pass that when they came up to the temple, they, they pitched their tents round about, every man according to his family, consisting of his wife, his sons, and his daughters, and their sons and their daughters, from the eldest down to the youngest, every family being separated one from another. So he, basically, one of the things to prepare for this is to gather together in families around the temple. Very interesting there. Uh, he goes up into three, and he talks about sacrifice and, and giving sacrifice. And if you remember in the last conference too, uh, I think it was Elder Ballard talked about giving, sacrificing something, giving an offering unto the Lord. Of course, they did burnt offerings back in the days of, of King Benjamin, so that's what they did. And then in four, also to prepare to, to receive the word of God, he talks about giving thanks. He says, and also that they might give thanks to the Lord their God who had brought them out of the land of Jerusalem and who had delivered them out of the hands of their enemies and had appointed just men to be their teachers and also a just man to be their leader, their king, who had established peace in the land of Zarahemla and who had taught them to keep the commandments of, the, of God that they might rejoice and be filled with love towards God and all men. Excellent, excellent advice to prepare to hear the word of God, especially at conference, but also at other times, even now. As we as we study later, so let's get into the the meat of his of what he talks about here. And this is King Benjamin, of course. He's getting old. He says he wants to talk to his people one last time and and pass over the kingdom to his his son, right? And he talks about service, right? We know he talks about service. Which is a very famous you know verse in in chapter two, verse seventeen. We'll all, we'll go over that, of course, in great detail, but. Let's go back to the concept of serving others. And the first and great commandment that, that Jehovah gave in, in the Old Testament was to love God and then to love our neighbor, right? And, and Christ taught this consistently. He, he taught us in such parables as the, the Good Samaritan, that our neighbor is anyone, right? Everyone, our brothers, our sisters, people that, that need help. Anyone who needs help is our neighbor and we need to love and serve them. But it can be difficult to serve sometimes, right? I mean, sometimes it's not easy. But, I mean, you might not want to do it. You might be too busy. Uh, the, the people who you're supposed to serve may not want to be served, right? We don't know what we're doing. Maybe we feel inadequate or, or not up to the task. And and sometimes, you know, the people we serve are just ungrateful. And that's kind of a bummer to serve people who are just not interested in being served or ungrateful. Or, or worse yet, would rather you not right? That's probably the worst. But yet we're still commanded to serve. And I had this discussion with my institute class. I'm like, why? And and there's a great quote uh, by Elder Romney, and I want to share that with you. And sorry, this was President Romney, uh, who was in the first presidency. Um, and, and this is in the 1982 October conference, general conference. He says, by serving and lifting others, we experience the only true 
and lasting happiness. Service is not something we endure on this earth so we can earn the right to live in the celestial kingdom. Service is the very fiber of which an exalted life in the celestial kingdom is made. And I think as members of the church, oftentimes we we tend to checklist things, right? We, you know, I've been baptized. I got the Holy Ghost. Check, check. Uh, when I was 12, I, I got the Aaronic Priesthood. Um, was ordained to an office of a deacon, teacher, then a priest. Check, check, check. Got the Melchizedek Priesthood. Check. Um, went to the temple. Check. Went on a mission. Check. Got married in the temple. Check. Right. So all of these things that we that we think about, oh, like check marks to to heaven, and, and obviously the. The Lord does not want us to do that, right? Those These things are important, don't get me wrong. But it's the spirit of the law, right, that's more important. And and what does he say consistently through there? It's like, yes, do these things and then keep my commandments, right? Do what you're supposed to do. And, and here, President Romney is teaching that the very essence, the fiber of which an exalted life in the celestial kingdom is made, is made of service, which makes sense. Because look at... Moses, right? The book of Moses in the Pearl of Great Price, 139. It says, this is my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. And that's God. That's how God serves us. And if we want to be like God, if we're to be gods with him, then isn't shouldn't that be our purpose and glory as well? Shouldn't that be the, the reason that we're here? And isn't that service? Right, and and he goes on. President Romney goes on, says, knowing that service is what gives our Father in heaven fulfillment, and knowing that we want to be where He is, and as He is, why must we be commanded to serve one another? Oh, for the glorious day when these things all come naturally because of the purity of our hearts. In that day, there will be no need for commandment, because we will have experienced for ourselves that we are truly happy only when we are engaged in unselfish service. What a great quote. And it reminds me of Joseph Smith's quote that, you know, it's something to the effect that, that when when commandments are no longer a burden or something that we, we seek to do naturally, then they become a joy to us. And and I, I certainly look forward to that. I love that we can find joy in service. I love that that is the celestial law and that and that we can work towards it. Now, I, full confession, I, I often serve grudgingly. It's It can be hard sometimes, especially serving people that I that don't like me or that I don't like, right? That can be a burden. And, and of course, that, that requires repentance to like everyone, love everyone, if you will. But that is the essence of what the Lord wants for us. So taking that, let's look at King Benjamin's life of service and the example that he gave. Okay, so if we look at, at chapter 2, he starts off in verse 12, and he talks about spending his days in your service, even up to this time, and not having sought gold nor silver nor any manner of riches of you. And, and he talks about working with the people, and he talks about not putting them as, as slaves. In fact, in verse 13, he says, Neither have I suffered that you should be confined in dungeons, nor that you should make slaves one of another, nor that you should murder or plunder or steal or commit adultery, nor even have I suffered that you should commit any manner of wickedness, and have taught you that you should keep the commandments of the Lord in all things which he hath commanded you. It sounds awful lot like what the prophet Joseph Smith said, We teach them correct principles and let them govern themselves. And then it says in verse 14, And even I myself have labored with my own hands that I might serve you, that ye should not be laden with taxes. So oh, that would be a great leader right now, right? Someone who eases taxes, someone who doesn't tax the heck out of them and, and make sure that they're all given their fair share and whatnot. And and go, he goes on in, in 15 through 19. He's like, no, look, 
I'm not boasting about this, right? How great would it be to have a leader that doesn't boast about it? I'm not giving, I'm not giving the praise to anyone but to God who made me. And, and I think that's very important for us to understand that a good leader does just that. Okay? They, they serve with us. They don't try to enrich themselves. They're not trying to tax us to make their lives better or more comfortable or anything else like that. And at the very end, they're giving praise to God and they're humble. What a great leader and an example of a leader that King Benjamin was. And then he goes on in, in chapter 2, in 21 through 22, and he talks about being indebted unto the Lord. And how are we indebted to the Lord? Well, obviously he created us. In verse 23, he talks about how he created us. That's first and foremost. Uh, and then he asks us to keep his commandments. And when we keep his commandments, then he blesses us for keeping his commandments. And, and therefore, we become more indebted to him. And then he talks in 25 about being you know, not even as good as the dust of the earth, because at least the dust obeys. Uh, the dust of the earth, although we are created from dust, and from dust were we made, and unto dust we shall return. We know He knows that we're, we have a soul, that we are created spiritually as well, and that we are sons and daughters of God, and that he loves us and, and we matter a great deal to him. But at the same time, we do need to show gratitude to our, our Father in heaven. He ends all of this with this idea that true happiness only comes in keeping the commandments of the Lord. And in fact, in verse 41, he says, And moreover, I would desire that you should consider on the blessed and happy state of those that keep the commandments of God. For behold, they are blessed in all things, both temporal and spiritual. And if they hold out faithful to the end, they are received into heaven, that thereby they may dwell with God in a state of never-ending happiness. Oh, remember, remember that these things are true, for the Lord God hath spoken it. And then we move on to chapter 3. And chapter 3 is a great chapter. And, and in all fairness, we've covered most of chapter 3 in our last podcast. So, I'm going to skip over a lot of it, but I just want to reiterate some of the things he talks in the beginning about the Savior. Now, this is what I found interesting and something that I hadn't really registered before, or at least it hit me a little bit more this time, is that these are not necessarily King Benjamin's words. These are the words which an angel told him to speak to the people. It says in verse 2, And the things which I shall tell you are made known unto me by an angel from God, and he said unto me, Awake, and I awoke, and behold, he stood before me. In verse 3, And he said unto me, Awake, and hear the words which I shall tell thee. For behold, I am come to declare unto you the glad tidings of great joy. So these are the, the words of the angels that he's sharing. And he talks about Jesus Christ. And he talks about how he's going to be born of a virgin, that he will come, and the, the creator of all things will, will manifest himself in the flesh. And, to, and he will come to the earth to bring salvation. And his own people will think that he has a devil and they'll scourge him and they'll crucify him, but not until after he's healed the sick and raised the dead and caused the blind to see and the, and the deaf to hear and, and healed. And, and also not until he atones for the blood and sins of the world. And he also talks about in verse 13 that, that the Lord God will send forth his holy prophets and just men and holy men to teach about this atonement and to help people turn from their stiff-necked ways and to live, live the law of Moses uh, if they're, they're before uh, Christ and then live a higher law afterwards. And then in verse 17, he shares some of the most important 
scripture that we'll ever read in the Book of Mormon. It's Mosiah chapter 3, verse 17. He says, And moreover I say unto you, that there shall be no other name given, nor any other way, nor means whereby salvation can come unto the children of men, only in and through the name of Christ, the Lord Omnipotent. And we know that as members of the church, that is only through Christ, right? That is one of our our doctrines, uh, one of our, it's, it's right there in, in the Articles of Faith. We know that Christ is our Savior and that it is only through him. But how many confused, even Christians out there, think that there's many paths that lead up to eternal life or that lead to heaven? And it's simply a false doctrine. Christ is the only way. He is the way. He is the light. He is the truth. It says in verse 18, For behold, he judgeth, and his judgment is just. And the infant perisheth not that dieth in his infancy, but men drink damnation to their own souls, except they humble themselves and become as little children and believe that salvation was and is and is to come in and through the atoning blood of Christ, the Lord omnipotent. We know that Christ is our Savior and our only Savior. But unfortunately, it's difficult to keep the commandments. And the reason that it's difficult to keep the commandments is because besides being spiritual creatures, we have a mortal body. And this mortal body craves to be the natural man. But this is the problem, verse 19. For the natural man is an enemy to God, and has been from the fall of Adam, and will be forever and ever, unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit, and putteth off the natural man, and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord, and becometh as a child submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon him, even as a child doth submit to his father. The only way to overcome the natural man is by submitting to the spirit. Let our spirit control the body and not vice versa. Brothers and sisters, this is why we are here upon the earth, to gain a body that we can learn to control with our spirits and not vice versa. Because if we don't control our bodies with our spirits, then we're no better than the animals. We're less than the dust of the earth, which is what King Benjamin is trying to convey when he says that. We have to control our bodies and we have to do it with the spirit. And then he goes on in verse 20 and he gives a marvelous, it's kind of interesting, it's this little scripture in here in verse 20 that seems to be a little bit out of context, to be honest with you. And I wonder if if the people that were listening to it were just kind of like, sometimes we get these little pearls in, in conference and we're like, wow, that was really cool. I don't know what it means, but that's really cool. He gives a prophecy that's for us today. And when we read it, we should get the tingly down our spine because we just had our prophet announce that there's going to be temples in Dubai and and China mainland China. It's amazing. He says, And moreover I say unto you, that the time shall come when the knowledge of a Savior shall spread throughout every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. And we are seeing this prophecy being fulfilled today. I doubt they had any concept of it when King Benjamin talked to them about it. But we are seeing it today. Brothers and sisters, I hope that we will take the time to study these scriptures and really pour through them and learn what we have to learn, to avoid the natural man, to learn how to serve out of joy, that we might overcome the world, that we might not be cast away into the darkness and into unhappiness because of our disbelief and because of our, our sins. 
brothers and sisters. That is my prayer, and, and I do so in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening. I hope you've uh, enjoyed this podcast. Uh, again, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or just uh, want to discuss what we've talked about earlier or what we're going to talk about next week, please email me at drjaredthomas at gmail.com. Again, that's D-R-J-A-R-E-D-T-H-O-M-A-S at gmail.com. Or feel free to text me at 916-412-2136. Have a blessed day.